Welcome to the Lady Beta Podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Mern. I'm a certified health coach, certified personal trainer, and soon to be a certified brain rewiring coach. We're going to be talking about all things training, nutrition, mindset, and hormone balancing for the Lady Climber. You can learn more about me and the services I offer over at ladybetacoaching.com and over on Instagram at ladybeta.coaching. Let's dive in. I absolutely loved this interview with Mercedes, and I know that you will too. We talked about all things flexibility training, and I learned a ton. Um, She's such a wealth of knowledge, and she's somebody that I really look up to in this industry. She has a master's in human movement, which is so cool. She's a wealth of knowledge and information, but the coolest thing about her is she actually breaks it down so that people like me and probably most of you guys can actually understand it and apply it to our climbing. She's also the author of two books, Peak Nutrition, which you can find in REI. It's such a great resource source, not only for the recipes in there, super, super tasty, but also all of the information in there as well. If you're any bit interested in nutrition for being an outdoor athlete, pick up Peak Nutrition. She's also the author of Simple Strength. I so enjoyed talking to her and know that you are just going to love this interview. Today we have Mercedes from Modus Athletica here, and I am so excited to be talking with her today. So I know that you are kind of the queen of flexibility, but you have a lot of other tricks up your sleeve. So I am so stoked to what you're going to be bringing to the audience today. So first of all, go ahead and tell us a little bit more about you and how you got into climbing. Thanks, Chelsea. Uh, Yeah, I have been climbing, I think, since like 2006 something like that. And that I basically got into climbing because I had a strength coach based out of a climbing gym. And uh, I was a tennis player at the time. And I was training for the Olympic trials. And I needed a strength coach. I was like, I am so weak. And if I'm going to beat these 16 year old girls at tennis, I need to up my game. Um, So yeah, he started training me and like, used climbing actually as kind of like a cross training method, which was awesome because I had almost no upper body strength. Um, yeah, it was awesome. And so, you know, I attribute it to Dave Wall. Like he, he was the one that trained me. Um, and this was in Denver. So yeah, he got me into it. And I basically, since then I like basically dropped tennis to the side and like picked up climbing. I'm like, yes, this is the sport that I want to do. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you did because I've so enjoyed, like I have looked up to you for so long and I was always like kind of intimidated by you, which now I realize is very silly because you're the nicest. So I want to touch on like you were training for the Olympic trials. Like that's not an experience that most people have. So tell me a little bit more about the tennis background and kind of like how you feel like that potentially translates into your climbing now. Yes. Gosh, tennis was my life for so long. I basically picked up, like I had played tennis, I think when I was really little, like probably when I was like five or six, but like never really played. I like held a tennis racket. But when I was 13, I think I had decided like, this is the thing that I want to do. So, you know, I was, I trained like on the weekends. And then the, my coach at the time was like, Oh, I offer like these training camps. So I basically like you join like a youth squad, you know, and then you're training together for like five days a week. Um, 
and so that's how I really like got into it. And I wanted to compete and would travel like all over. So I'm, I'm actually from like, I grew up in Australia. So I would travel all around Queensland to play um, like all of the youth tournaments. And <clears throat> I decided like this was something I wanted to continue pursuing. And when I was 16, I got a scholarship to play at an academy down south uh, in my state. And that was awesome. That was kind of like the first, like, ooh, this could actually be a thing that I could do. Like, I could study and play at the same time. Um, so, you know, that basically took me up to a whole nother level. And that's like training twice a day, some, you know, like a couple times a week. Um, you know, like be like maybe eight or nine sessions a week of just playing. Like that isn't even like, I don't think I lifted really at all. We did some like core exercises on the tennis court. Um, but yeah, so like when I was 17, it was like, okay, in Australia, like you, you really have to choose. It's either go pro or go to school, you know, go, go to university. And I wasn't really sure at that point what I really wanted to do. I was like, I still really love tennis and yes, I want to pursue like education. And the, the best option was the U S um, cause like they have a really awesome like college program and I wasn't really ready for professional at that point. Like I was pretty, I was still learning the game. Um, so I applied to a bunch of universities in the U.S. and I got a lot of offers, but, and I didn't really know the U.S. very well, honestly. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I heard maybe you shouldn't go to the South. Okay, this is like what I heard. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, then I'll stick to the North part of, of the U.S. So I went to Iowa on a full ride. Um, yes, yes, it, it was not the best choice. Um, but I didn't know that until I got there. So I played for University of Northern Iowa, so the Panthers. And uh, I played there for two seasons. Um, it was interesting, to say the least, but I was ready to get out of there. Um, but playing D1, again, was like a whole different ball game. Like you are really like judged with every single game that you play. Um, but it's interesting when you play like a team, like at that point now it's like a team sport, not an individual sport. So I went from playing for myself to now playing for a team. And that was very, very different. And especially if like, as an international student who looks a little different, cause I'm a person of color, um, who has an accent, you know, you're not always, uh, accepted with open arms and that was a struggle. That was probably like where I met like a lot of adversity um, all at once, you know? So, you know, I tried really hard and like the coaches were like cool, but then I, we got a, like a second coach my second year and he was not cool and really just like kind of ruined tennis for me a little bit. And, um, but we were training probably it was like 10 sessions a week. So at D1, you're like lifting in the morning. Um, you're like five thirty sessions, you know, like you're busting your butt. And then you have like night, like afternoon to night sessions playing tennis, like two to three hours for each session. Um, so it was a lot. Plus I was going to college, you know, full time. So that was a lot. 
And eventually, uh, in Northern Iowa, they decided to cut our program. Um, it, it's just, I think, like a formality. They're like, oh, women's sports, let's just cut that shit. And I'm like, okay. So I took that as a sign, like, okay, I, I need to leave. But um, after about a month, they reinstated the, the program. Um, and they're like, you should stay. I'm like, hell no, I am leaving. Like this coach basically told me that I suck and that I need to like do better. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go do better at a different school. Like, I don't, I don't need you. Um, so I went to Denver and I played for Metro State University for two years. And that was like, awesome. Um, that was like a really great experience. The, my team was awesome. The coaches were great. Um, and it was after that, that I was like, I don't know what to do. And pro like the amateur level was still possible, like in terms of like playing professionally. Um, and so I played some pro tournaments after that, after college. And, you know, there was an opportunity to play for my, my country, which is Mauritius. That's where actually, that's where I was born. I was born in Mauritius, which is like this tiny little island off of the east coast of uh, Madagascar. And they invited me to play for their team. And so I went over there a couple times and trained. And uh, yeah, that was like really cool. Um, unfortunately, like right before our, we were supposed to play against Madagascar um, to get into the Olympics, but I had sustained a really bad shoulder injury. So I never played that match, which was really sad. Um, and my team didn't win. Like you have to come, I think first you have to win the Indian ocean games in order to go to the Olympics. And we came second. So, um, that was unfortunate, but it was a good learning, learning experience. And at that time, that's when I was like training with Dave in Denver. And I was like, okay, I think, I think this is it for me. I've played, I've tried amateur pro. I played tournaments. I did this thing. I'm going to go climb. Yeah. So that's it in a nutshell of like a little bit of my background. Oh my gosh. That is the most epic story. I like, <laughs> I just don't know anyone else that's had like that amazing of an athletic background before getting into climbing. Like thank we're, we're thankful for Dave for bringing you here and being able to like, you know, transition you into climbing. And I'm so glad that you kind of like saw the, the fun parts about climbing and were able to, you know, move from, from tennis and still stay active and to get into climbing. So do you see any like transfer between tennis and climbing? Yeah, well, you know, for me personally, I was... Tennis is such a competitive sport and it was really hard to make friends on like on the circuit, even like as a youth player, like everyone is your opponent. Like your, your goal is to go out there and crush them. And like you, you know, but you weren't taught to like leave it on the court and then be friends, you know? Um, and I think some of that kind of like stuck with me when I first started climbing and especially in Colorado, uh, where climbing feels a little bit more competitive there. Um, you know, like, I think that transition was like, oh, like, does this mean I can't be friends with, like, women because I'm climbing next to them? But that was like, 
actually like the more refreshing part of climbing was like, oh, this is actually, I'm not competing against anyone. I'm just competing against myself. Um, and so that was like a really cool mental switch to like, it was a struggle for me to realize, okay, I don't need to be competitive anymore with anyone. Like, let's just like help each other be better. Um, so like, I wouldn't say that was a transfer. It was more like a really good mental switch for me. Um, yeah. And I ended up competing actually in bouldering. Like I went to nationals like three times, three years in a row. And that was like super fun. That was back in the day when there weren't as many women competing. Um, but it was such a great, it was a great experience. Um, and that was like, again, like we could be competitive, but actually still be friends. Like when it's all said and done. Um, but in terms of like training, like I, I think I knew like the kind of intensity I needed to bring in order to reach a level that I knew in my head I could get to. Um, and so like Dave really helped me with that. And I was like, I'm here, I'm present. Like I will fucking train as much as I need to and do as many different facets of training to get really good at the sport. Um, so I think that's what really helped me like knowing what I need to do and the focus of intentional movement that like tennis is all about technique. Like you don't need to be super strong to be a good tennis player. Um, you just need to be fit. And that was also a great learning experience. Like climbing feels more like a strength sport, but really it is skill. It comes down to skill and like intentional movement. Um, so learning that practice was very like that transferred over quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure too. So you've had a coach for a really long time, probably since you were very young and that has to have impacted the way that you coach your clients now. So what have you kind of taken from your previous coaches? Maybe you've also left some things like with that one coach that wasn't so great, but how has that kind of shown up for you in the way that you coach your clients? Yes. I would say I've only basically had male coaches growing up and I wouldn't say like, I'm very grateful for all of my coaches because they all taught me a lot of really great things about the sport of tennis. Um, but I think because I was in this very competitive scene that it, it really felt like I had to prove myself every step of the way. Um, and so coaches weren't necessarily supportive of you, even when you were struggling. Um, and I was, I struggled a lot. Like I would, I basically was one of those basket cases on the tennis court when if something didn't quite go right, it, I would crumble, like mentally crumble. Um, and you know, that's when I needed the support the most and just never really got it. And I had to figure it out on my own. And unfortunately, like, I think that's like one of the biggest things that held me back in tennis was my mental state. Um, so like, while, while they didn't support me, I feel like I learned a lot from like, not getting that kind of attention that I needed to like, now I'm like, as a coach, I want to be there every step of the way for my clients, for my students, like no matter what problem you're having, I want to be part of talking about it. Like I'm as a coach, like my job isn't to provide the solution, but if you're struggling, I want to know about it. 
you know, like it's okay because we're all going to struggle. And, you know, growing up, it didn't feel okay to struggle. It felt like that that was a weakness. Um, yeah. And especially in college, that was, that was really hard. Um, so yeah, I think now, like, because of all of that, I'm, I'm able to provide more support for people now and, uh, bring a more of an emotional component to it rather than, Oh, here are the sets and reps and just go do your thing. You know, it's coaching is much more about being a support system rather than just giving reps and sets. Yeah, it, it so is. And honestly, too, you know, I think that that's what's been missing from the climbing industry for a really long time. So for me to like see you really step into that, too, and like be a full time coach and be able to work with the clients that you do and get them such amazing results like that really is you know, reflective of the past that you've had where you were missing that big support piece and you're able to notice that, say, hey, I didn't get that. Let's bring this and pay it forward and really let people feel supported and have that kind of like more holistic approach to climbing where it's not just, yeah, here's your sets and reps, enjoy. So one of the things that I love about you the most is whenever I think about flexibility or mobility, if anybody asks me about it, I'm like, go see Mercedes. Like that is not me. Like she knows everything about it. So what got you so interested in flexibility training in the first place? Yeah, it was definitely when I was a climber. Um, I would say that, you know, I, I had always heard that flexibility was an important part of training and like growing up, you're like, yeah, like at the end of your session, you do like 20 seconds in one position and it doesn't really do anything. Like you, you don't see any changes but you know, like when I looked around, like even like my teammates and like growing up, I'm like, wow, I'm really stiff. Like even I was like a gymnast for like a year and I was like the stiffest person out of everyone. I'm like, why? Like, and no matter like the coaches were telling me to do things and I still wasn't really getting any more flexible. Um, so I kind of like wrote it off and I didn't think about it for a really long time. Um, but I realized like, after watching some of like the professional climbers, especially the females, like they were able to get into positions that were like, oh, like you can manipulate your body so that you can fit into these certain boxes to make moves. And I'm like, I can't do that. Um, and when I saw them, like a lot of them could do the splits, you know, that was like kind of like one of the defining factors. Um, I'm like, I am nowhere near the split. So that, that kind of like opened the door for me of like, oh, like this is maybe a key component that I have not looked at. And I didn't really know like what to do. The first like door avenue that I kind of went down was like mobility training. That's what it was coined. Like, I think this was like five years ago or something like that. Like, someone decided to call it mobility training and there's like you use bands and like balls and you're doing like these really weird like exercises. And it was like cool because I felt like, Oh, like I can see that my body is changing with this mobility training, but it never got me to the point of like being able to do the splits or like still get into these like awkward positions. I think it gave me a little bit more range. That's for sure. Um, but I'm like, it's, there's just still something missing here. Um, and finally I just like realized I'm like, okay, there's this whole facet of like flexibility training, but 
I know that most folks develop it as a kid. Like you don't often see adults go into flexibility training and being able to do the splits. Like that rarely happens. And I'm like, I don't know if I'll be able to do this. And, you know, so I started training in a certain way called loaded, loaded progressive stretching. Um, because a lot of like some of my friends who are movement culture were able to like get into the splits. And I'm like, wow, you did this as an adult. Like I really want to do this. Um, so yeah, I basically like kind of like joined like the movement culture and started doing a lot of that stuff. Um, but it was very intense and we were asked to do a lot of training and I, you know, just couldn't keep up with it. Um, so then like about a year and a half ago, I like stumbled upon like this group of guys who were huge, but they could also do the splits and they only did it. They only started doing it in their adult age. And I'm like, sweet, I want to learn from you. And it wasn't like, like it was literally like 30 minute sessions as long as you were doing strength training, you could supplement the stuff in with your programming. And that's when I'm like, holy shit, I just made huge gains in my front and side split in like a couple of weeks. Like, and that is like, had never happened to me. Like that, that kind of like response just never happened. Um, so that, that was it for me. I was like, cool. Like I can now see the difference. Like my body is now moving more freely and I'm able to get into positions I wasn't able to before. Like high steps for me were really hard to do. Like, uh, like a lot of my friends I was climbing with in Colorado knew that I was not flexible and they're like, Mercedes, you cannot get your foot high at all. Um, and yeah, so that was like one of my first goals was like, can I get a high step, you know, and I'm still working on it, but it is so much better. Um, but yeah, so that's been my journey into like mo mobility and, through then finally got me into flexibility training. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. And I think too, so there's a lot of confusion around mobility, flexibility, stretching. Like I think a lot of people use those words potentially interchangeably. I know I used to. So could you clear this up for us? Like what are each of those and where do they kind of fit in, let's say in a climbing training routine? Yeah. So like I had already mentioned, like mobility training, I think was coined by certain few people who I think were trying to use these modalities as like something cool. I'm not sure, but they were trying to like get into flexibility training a little bit. Um, so they, they, they started using this term mobility and I think that's what really has confused a lot of this stuff. So flexibility really is like the ability to bend without breaking. So that's like one definition. And then if there's a sub like the second definition that is like being able to change or adapt to certain situations. And that like that second definition for sure, like in climbing, that's what we want. Um, whereas like mobility, if you look at it in the dictionary, it has a kind of a different meaning, but we're looking at it more of an, in an athletic uh, viewpoint. And so uh, like mobility is basically the expression of like the quality of movement. So that would be like strength, agility, coordination, range of motion, like how well, like of the sum of all of those athletic attributes are you performing? So like it's the quality of movement basically is what mobility is. Um, there is a term like mobilizing, which is kind of like 
like old school, like old school, like five years ago, like the mobility training, which is where you're using like tennis balls and like straps and things like that to move a joint. So moving a joint is more like mobilizing. Um, so yeah, like I, like mobility is not the same as flexibility. Like flexibility is like the way that I see it. And, you know, I think a lot of like the flexibility researchers now are starting to see it as like flexibility is the base that you then build strength on because the more range you have, so you you build strength in the range that you train it. And the bigger the range, the stronger you get. So the more flexible you get, potentially the stronger you can get. So that's like that. That's why like flexibility is so fascinating to me right now, because I think it really is the base that we need to build on. I think before it was like strength. Everyone was like, strength is the base. I think there's one more underneath that. And that is now flexibility. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for clearing that up. I mean, honestly, you put things in words that like people just understand. And I know you have a really, you know, a kind of science heavy background. So that's been a mission of yours too, is to bring information to climbers in a way that they can actually really understand it and then take that one step further and apply it. So for you and what you see, you know, not only for yourself, but your clients as well, like what are some of the most important things that climbers can actually do to increase their flexibility? flexibility or what are those areas that you see have the most room for improvement for people? Yeah. Like when, you know, we pull climbers, a lot of the time it's like hips, my hips are so tight. Um, and yeah, like the hips are kind of like your driver for any kind of movement, whether that's climbing or running or anything like that, that's where you're going to get most of your power. And so if you're limited in your range in your hips, then you're limited in the quality of movement. Um, so you won't be able to like, express power as well if you don't have that range. And so like, I think climbers would probably benefit the most from hip training and you do need to like flexibility training includes strength training and it includes speed training um, and includes balance training. So like you can insert a lot of these uh, like hip training exercises into your climbing training and like, which it's great to see that climbers are now doing like deadlifts and squats and single leg squats, things like that, which is awesome. And so if you want to, since you're already doing kind of like the strength component, you can always add in kind of like a end range or like bigger position, um, isometric hold. So like a, like an easy one to explain would be the horse stance, um, which is, it's like a squat, but a little bit wider. Your feet are wider and your feet are a little bit more turned out and you sit into that position. So like a 90 degree angle at your knee. Um, and this position was taken from martial arts because it's kind of like the position that you tend to like punch in. Um, and it trains naturally the, the side split position, which for climbers, like being able to stem out to the side is, is you know, like that's great because you'll be able to rest on the wall. Um, so like that is one maybe easy way of introducing end range uh, strength and flexibility. Like that's really what we're trying to do is like, let's increase the end ranges that we have. And that means full flexion and full extension. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, from what you've seen, because this has been such a big focus for you, like, do you think that most people could benefit from flexibility training? 100%. 
Yes. Even, even folks who would say that they're hypermobile, um, you know, flexibility training can actually make you stronger in those end ranges. You know, like we're flexibility training isn't about passive, relaxed stretching. Like that is just not what flexibility training is. And so if you are hypermobile, then yeah, like that kind of training is definitely not going to help you at all and maybe make it worse. Um, but if you apply the right intensity to these end ranges, and so we're thinking of like isometric holds, more like strength training in these end ranges, you're going to see a huge benefit no matter who you are, you know? And I think the people who don't need to work on flexibility training are the ones who feel like have reached um, end ranges that is useful. And like, they're like, okay, I'm good, you know? And you really don't need much to, con- to maintain those ranges. It doesn't take very much. Um, but yeah, I would say like in general, like the general climbing population would benefit from flexibility training. Yeah. I remember you and I hosted a class a couple months ago and, um, I was definitely sore for like three days after that, but in a really good way, because I was like, wow, clearly I never use this part of my body. And this is something that I should really focus on because like, yeah, I hold a lot of tension there or like, I just, I couldn't get into those positions and I could see, you know, like if I was like stemming or having to press on anything, I was like, wow, this is definitely a limiting factor for me. So like, what are those areas that you see? I know you've mentioned the hips, the high step. Are there any other areas that you really notice for people that they could, you know, greatly benefit from including more flexibility into their training routines? Yeah. So overhead ability. So that is like a big one. Um, I think like, especially like guest stones or anything overhead that you have to like press into or anything that asks the elbow to go back behind our head. Um, those tend to be very stiff for most people. And a lot of people can't actually get into those positions. Um, and if they do, they end up potentially getting injured. And so, like, that's another thing about flexibility training is that, you know, like, with one of the definitions, it's the ability to adapt to any situation. And flexibility training really gives you more range in whatever position that you're in. So it could potentially, like, limit injury occurrence, you know, like, in terms of, like, acute injury where you get into a position and you hear some sort of pop or something like that because it's just a range that you never use. So yeah, like overhead ability, I think for climbers is really important. It doesn't necessarily mean you, you have to stretch your lats or get more flexible coming back, but it is like kind of like these awkward positions with the hand over your head and like a lot of crazy positions and even like crossing your arms in front of you. Like that's also a big one. Like we, we know that with like uh, a lot of like harder movement, like rose moves and things like that, like that is also like that's a flexibility issue. If you can't make that move, it's probably because you can't rotate your spine and your shoulder in that direction. Um, yeah. And like the spine, obviously, like that is the our core you know, to our whole body. Like the spine is what holds us together and is like the main messenger system in the body. And so if your spine is flexible, more likely the rest of your body will open up and be a little bit more supple. Yeah. And 
Okay, so you're like getting me super excited. I know everybody else is going to be like so excited about this. So tell me a little bit more about your upcoming program, Stretch Mechanics. You just ran around a couple months ago and it was super successful. You had so many great testimonials. Everybody loved what you had to say and teach in there. So tell me a little bit more about that program. Yeah, so we the first time we did it was a 10-week program. And the first few weeks was more like introducing people to concepts, to uh, some very gentle movement, getting the spine and hips just moving. So we didn't do a lot of like loaded um, stretching yet. We didn't really do anything too intense. It was more like, let's introduce these very key concepts, um, what we call terminology, especially for movement of the body. So like pelvic um, pelvic tilting, like a lot of people don't know what anterior and posterior tilt is. And that's really important when we're trying to get into very specific positions. And then, you know, we go into like, after a couple weeks of that, we go into more like, let's work on slowly getting into our end ranges. And then, um, at the last, the last few weeks, we kind of did what, what we call like a little like flexibility sprint where we're just trying to see how, how much we can gain in a very short amount of time. Um, so this time around, it's going to be similar, but it's going to be a six week program. There will be bonus weeks, um, before and after, um, with very similar, uh, structure. Um, but I am going to change the first couple weeks. It's, it is going to be a little bit more strength training in the first couple weeks, as well as this learning the terminology and then going into more routines for like side split, front split and the back bend. Um, so that is like the general overview, but you'll get, you know, you'll get live classes with me as well. Um, and a lot of content to last you forever. Seriously, like you probably won't have to do any other flexibility program. Um, and I'll like also show you how to like fit the stuff in once the course is done. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And that's a big one too. Like I think so many people really need this and you've made like an amazing case for it. Like pretty much everybody can benefit from this. Pretty much everybody needs it. So why do you think like so many people neglect this in their training or don't prioritize it? I think because flexibility or I should say stretching has a very negative um, connotation to it. Like like even me, like I thought stretching was a waste of time, like, cause I never saw any benefit. And I, you know, like with media, you, you see it and people are like, don't stretch bef- like in your warm up. Uh, you should only stretch at X, Y, and Z. Um, stretching can make you weak. Like there are all of these, uh, like this information that is completely false about uh, flexibility training. So I think there's just a lot of work to be done to, kind of like bring flexibility training back into uh, training physicality. So like if you're going to like strength train, you should also do flexibility training. Um, So like I think my job over the next like year will be to try to make flexibility cool again um, and have people realize that it's really, it's not something that we should stay away from. It really should be something that we should embrace. yeah. And, and I think that people didn't really know what to do. I think they're like, I don't know what to do. Like, oh, there's yoga. So I'm going to go do yoga, which is why yoga is also very popular. Cause it was like, here's a system for how to open up your body. Um, yoga is a little different to the things that I'm teaching, but it's, it's a system that seems to work. Um, so I think 
it's more just like demystifying it a little bit and trying to give people the right information. Yeah. And it's so helpful too, to have something like written out for you. Like, you know, if this is something that people want to prioritize, like having the sets, the reps, how long you hold those positions for is incredibly helpful. I want to dive a little bit deeper into the differences between like, why can't somebody just go do yoga versus like, why do something that is a little bit more specific, like what you're doing in stretch mechanics? Yeah. So I mean, yoga, yoga has a lot of ancient ties, you know, to, uh, religion, you know, and it, it, and like a state of mind. And so the, the purpose of it was to have your body in a certain state so that your mind would work better. And so I think that's like a beautiful practice, but when it comes to targeting specific muscles, so like yoga is more about positions, like as in like, here's the shape, try to make this shape. And so we're going to flow from one shape to the next. And that serves a specific purpose. Whereas with flexibility training, we're actually trying to stretch muscle so the yoga positions, while they're awesome, don't, they don't focus on specific muscle groups. It's just like, here's a position, and I want you to try to mimic my position as best you can. Whereas in inflexibility training, it's not about the position. It's about, let's stretch the right muscle. So your position might look different to my position, as long as we're getting the right muscle groups. And so like, that would be probably the biggest distinction, would be like position versus actual targeting muscles. Um, and with targeting muscles, then you'll be able to, uh, you know, work on either end range strength or like close end range strength. Um, so that would be the biggest difference there. Yeah, it sounds a lot more individualized. You know, you're not just trying to like make that shape. You're really working on and making sure that you're focusing on am I you know, pushing to that end, end range as much as I personally can. It doesn't matter if it's compared to anybody else or what it's, you know, quote, supposed to look like. So where can people find more information out about that program? I think, you know, I'm like, you've sold me. Like, it's (laughs) honestly like, there's nothing else like it in the climbing industry. You know, this is the first of its kind directly geared towards climbers. So if somebody wants to learn more about it, where can they go? Yeah, if you head over to my website, um, modusathletica.com, there'll be information on there very soon about it. Um, if you look on my Instagram, it's also modusathletica. I'm talking a lot about flexibility right now, and I'll be sharing a lot more information over the coming weeks. Um, and that, you know, that course will launch in November. So, um, yeah, you'll be able to get more information um, over the next coming weeks. Absolutely. Okay. So we've talked a lot about flexibility, but I know that you do so many other things. Um, you have a book, which is amazing. It's in REI. It's called Peak. If you, if Peak Nutrition, if you guys do not have it already, like you need to go get it. The recipes and the information in there is so epic. So you do a lot of things. You do training, flexibility, nutrition. What is your favorite thing to teach? <laughs> oh. You know, I really do enjoy teaching beginner climbers, like physically coaching them through the process, uh, which I don't really get to do much anymore. Um, But, you know, when we were not social distancing, like I would 
try to like volunteer or be in like these situations where I was always like in front of beginners. Um, because like for me, it always brings me back to the basics. Like, oh yeah, the basics are always so important. And you know, it's so fun to watch beginner climbers like like realize that like there's a point where they're like, oh, I can do this move. Um, so I think like that is what fills me with a lot of joy for coaching. Um, yeah. So I would say like, that's probably my favorite. Um, but I do like, like my one-on-one coaching, like I love, I love that. I, I love connecting with my clients and helping them really realize their absolute potential, you know, and help them figure out like the problems that they're like facing and that sort of thing. So like online coaching, like that's one thing I'm grateful for. Like this year is the ability to coach people online and uh, connect with people in that way. Yeah. I mean, if there's one good thing about 2020, it's that we all get to connect a little bit more and be, you know, give like virtual hugs and be able to be a support system. And I really love that you enjoy working so much with beginner climbers because I think a lot of the times there's that stigma like, oh, if you just started climbing, maybe you shouldn't be training. But for somebody to hear like, actually, no, you can train, you know, you just maybe need to have a coach or somebody to like guide you through that process, I think is really cool for a lot of people to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point too. Like you, beginners, I think if you can start with a coach or a mentor, like you're definitely going to be able to uh, learn so much more, so much faster, and hopefully like get to a point in climbing that feels good to you, you know? Yeah. And really just accelerate that process. I wish I would have had a coach when I first started. I feel like it took me like eight years to figure things out versus, you know, working with a coach that would greatly accelerate that entire process. So I am so, so happy that we got a chance to talk today. So if you want to learn more from Mercedes, she has her website, modusathletica.com. You can also check her out on Instagram with the same handle. And is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience before we log off? What can I share? You should try flexibility training. If you think it's, <laughs> if, you, if you think it's not going to be good, all I ask is that you try it. Try it and see. And if, if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. But I guarantee it's going to work for you. Yeah. Like what's the downside there? You have a, a greater base where you can build your strength upon. Like there's, yeah, it's, there's a reason that it hasn't really been done before and it's because the right person hasn't been there and Mercedes is that right person to bring this information to the climbing world. So I'm so thankful that you were able to come onto the show today and talk with me. Thanks, Chelsea. I appreciate it. And if you're loving the show, make sure you tag me on Instagram in a story. I absolutely adore seeing that you are enjoying the show. I will also be doing a monthly giveaway for a free training plan if you go leave a review on iTunes. So make sure you like, subscribe, and leave that review. And I'll be doing that giveaway once a month. Thanks so much for being here.